not spit, it's condensation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and on today's episode, we're going to start a new series called Winning the Job. This series will be focused on interviewing musicians who recently won an audition and trying to find out what they think put them over the edge. First up, we have Jeff Strong. Jeff recently won the third trumpet audition with the Los Angeles Philharmonic, At the time of this recording, he's currently second trumpet with the St. Louis Symphony, and previous to that, he was enlisted with the President's Own Marine Band. He's obviously had great success at auditions so far, so it was interesting to find out what he felt he did to elevate his audition preparation for the L.A. audition. I started by asking him, what do you think made this audition so successful for you? Let's find out what he said. For this, for the L.A. audition... Um, I added sort of like a third element to my preparation. So normally I had sort of two things that were, I, I, there was like the technical and the musical preparation, mm-hmm. which yeah. tie, which tie in with each other. Um, and this time I really added, uh, like a third element, which was the mental side of things. Um, and so and again, all three of these things are tied to each other, and, and it's there are so many little details that I could talk about. Um, but like, you know, just talking about each one of those elements, like from the technical standpoint, um, you know, when you're playing an audition, the people listening to you, most of the time they're hearing a lot of people on stage playing with them, and then all of a sudden it's just one person. And so all of the little tiny things that maybe you could get away with in the orchestra, um, any little holes in your playing, they're really going to, uh, they're really going to be able to hear all of that. So, um, for most of my technical preparation, I play stuff, uh, slowly and, uh, softly. And what I'm focusing on are again, all of the tiny little details. So as an example, with like the Beethoven Leonore call. Um, there's the sound and the style that you have to get right for that particular piece for, you know, Beethoven. Uh, and then when you're moving from, well, you have to hit the first note with a good clean articulation right in the center of the note. And then when you move to the F from the B flat, um, if your B flat is sharp and your F is flat and you're playing in a big resonant room, everyone's really going to hear that. Um, so working on the intervallic relationships, um, how did you do that? Was that with a tuner or did you have a drone or something like that? Yeah. Uh, I would, I would use like a drone. I would do a lot of singing. Um, okay. and, and then I would record pretty much everything I played, um, and listen back to it. And then, um, and then again, all of the details, like dictating the releases at the beginning, instead of just sort of playing a long note and then playing some 16th notes and an eighth, you know, like, you know, one, two, off, da, da, dun, 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 or, you know, whatever the extra is that you're so playing. So kind of what's, what's going on in your mind when you do that? Because I, I know Barbara would talk a lot about that dictating your time and that she would use, 
I guess it was Phil Smith had that quote where it's like perfect time isn't necessary. Having well-dictated time is necessary in an audition. So how would you go about, I mean, is it just subdividing or is it a way that you would shape the end of the note as well? Yeah. It's like, well, you know how like, um, like string players, I don't know if you ever watched like a violinist play, but sometimes they start, um, doing vibrato before they even move their bow. And then mm-hmm. after they're done playing the note, they're still moving their hand. They're, after they've released the bow, they're still vibrating their hand. So I try to, you know, resonate all the way through the note um, and do it in a way so that the note has direction um, and so that nothing feels or sounds stagnant. Sure, sure. Um, and then, and again, like, you know, you don't want to play like a robot. It's not about, it's not about being... Um, you know, just this sort of in the box kind of player. You definitely have to be an individual. But I think that like, I think sometimes people, uh, use the, uh, the excuse of like not wanting to play like a robot to like just get away with playing sloppy. And, okay. yeah. <laughs> you know, and so, it, and again, when you, I, you don't want to play sloppy, not because, not because you want to play like a robot, but because like you're trying to deliver a musical message. And when you deliver a sloppy message, then your musical message has been muddled, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so it's just like, yeah, be yourself, play the way you play, but it needs to be like a polished version of yourself. Cause again, the people on the panel, um, they don't get to hear you practice every day. They don't know what you sound like, uh, in any other context except for that particular right. setting. And so, you know, if you go out there and you're, you know, you play the first three notes of pictures and your G is flat and your F is flat and then your B flat is sharp. It's like, well, okay. I mean, yeah, maybe you had a nice sound, but I feel like, I feel like you just said that exactly the way Barbara would say it. That's so funny. <laughs> like, okay. Well, got a nice sound. That's so funny. And she would always talk about that too, right? They're not going to assume what you're doing. They're going to assume what you're doing is the best that you can offer, right? They're not going to be like, well, yeah, that's probably 80% of what he's capable of. we got to hire this guy right now because that extra 20% is going to be great, you know? Right. Yeah. And and I think, um, I don't know, I've talked to other people about this kind of stuff, or, or especially maybe college-age people. Um, sometimes they, they say, like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to play, like, boring and stuff. And I think, it's like, well, no, yeah, don't play boring. Play really musically. Play with the correct style and con you know context and everything but like you know present yourself well it's like wearing nice clothes you know or yeah yeah like, i don't know so and then, another question i have too sorry to cut you off but sure this is really great to talk to you because not only did you win third in la um, but you were just second in st louis mm-hmm. <laughs> and before that in the marine band and so um i would love for you to talk a little bit if you don't mind about the idea that some hold may or may not be true, but you play differently in the audition than you do in the orchestra. Um, well, you think about it differently. Do you have a different approach? Like, you, you know what I, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people think maybe you have to tone everything down 10% in the audition versus what you would do in the orchestra. Do you believe that there's some truth to that or is it not your experience? Um, well, I definitely think that like when you're playing the audition, um, and you're by yourself, you never want to do something that sounds, um, ugly 
or that makes that makes the panel sort of pull back a little bit because it's not just trumpet players. It's you know you're going to have string players and woodwind players maybe listening to you play, and they're going to be thinking about you know having to sit in front of you. So um, it should never. But I mean in general, you probably shouldn't really play ugly all that often. But, <laughs> probably not. Uh, yeah. But uh, I mean I think you know you can have power and you can have uh, you know resonance and everything. Uh, without playing like a pig and, and on the one hand. And on the other hand, I, I would say that like when I'm playing in the orchestra, my experience here in St. Louis is playing second trumpet and then in LA it'll be playing third. And so my job is really going to be and has been to support whatever the principal sure. players are doing. And so um, I think, yeah, maybe in the audition I play the way I play and hope that they like that. And then uh, when I get to the orchestra, I try to play the way that, everyone else is playing so that I'm fitting in with within the, you know, helping support the musical message that the principal player is trying to put across. So you're kind of holding the, yeah, of course it makes sense. You're, hmm. So you're kind of holding the idea that I'm just going to go do my thing. And if they like yeah. it, cool, and if they don't, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and that kind Sometimes of ties, easier said than done though. Well, and that kind of ties into the, that third aspect I was talking to before, like the mental preparation mm-hmm. Um, I definitely spent a lot of time um, doing like positive self-talk because uh, I had a, there was kind of a lot writing on this audition for me. Um, my family and my wife's family both live in Los Angeles and uh, we just had a kid and uh, like my wife's siblings just had kids. And so it would have been great to get to go to LA uh, in that respect. And so I really didn't want to like, let the nerves get to me. So yeah. I even did, I even did things like I practiced um, imagining actually making a mistake, like missing a note or something, and brushing it off and moving it on, uh, or moving on to the next thing. Like don't care, miss the note, doesn't matter. I'm on to the next thing now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like yeah, I remember Barbara saying once like if you screw something up. Uh, you definitely are going to have everyone's attention. So, you know, <laughs> do something with it, right? Sure. Yeah, I guess um, that's a really positive way of looking at that, yeah. Yeah. And, like, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I spent a lot of time uh, trying to just convince myself that I think I sound good. <laughs> sure. No, I mean, didn't Charlie tell us? I mean, I'm sure you heard the same story where he heard Bud warming up for Brandenburg or something like that, and he was – Bud was – Sounded like he was having some trouble or something like that. And mm-hmm. Charlie was thinking, oh, man, am I going to have to step in and play this for him? And then Bud went out and play, and then he just put his horn down and just didn't play anymore. And then he went out and played the Brandenburg, like, whatever, 30 minutes later, and he sounded great. Charlie mm-hmm. asked him, "What? Why, how did you do that? What were you thinking about? And Bud said, I was just thinking about all the times that sounded really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I feel yeah. like it's, it's really interesting. Um I've also talked to Tom Hooten very, very, very briefly uh, at NTC a lot of years ago when I was uh, in the – I can't remember if it was the finals for Indianapolis or if it was right before my trial weeks, but um, I asked him, like, do you have any advice? And he just said, visualize. Like, visualize everything that you can about it. You know, like, basically getting your mind in the right spot is just as important as getting your playing in the right spot. So it's interesting for you to say – you worked on, you know, the mental preparation as much as the other stuff, and you felt like that yeah. um, that added another element to your playing. Yeah, like I would spend, I spent a lot of time like looking at Petrushka, and I wrote, you know, I, on my part, I wrote smile, uh, 
on the page. And I would just, I'd look at it and I would smile and I would imagine like a ballerina dancing gracefully. I would get into that mindset and then I would play like the first three notes and then I would put the horn down and I would go through that whole process again to try and like train myself like, you know, the Pavlov's dog or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that, Hey, when I, when I'm playing Petrushka, I'm smiling and I'm happy and, yeah, you know, and it's, and it's great. Then when I was in the audition, I, you know, I finished one excerpt and then I moved on to the next one. And it was like, okay, here we go. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Just to keep that positive mindset, uh, throughout. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, I feel like I should probably ask everybody this question that I do this with, but did you play a perfect audition? Uh, no. Yeah, um, I mean, just to say that it's not. not that important. I mean, obviously, like you're saying, you can't you can't blow it necessarily, but playing a perfect audition is not necessary either. Right, and I think that there's like a difference between having a couple blips and then having like a hole in your playing. You know, right. if, there, if there's like a if there's a deficiency in your playing, at some point it's going to come across. But if you just like overshoot a note or crack a note or something they're not really going to care if it's like a good, healthy, solid playing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, at the um, same time, at the same time, the bar is set really high nowadays. So like you don't have to play a perfect audition, but I think if you, if you, uh, prepare really methodically, you can get close, you know, and you know, something I was talking about earlier that I, I don't know if I like really said it exactly how I wanted to say, but like, um, I think that there there are so many little details that um, that somebody is going to pay attention to when they're preparing their excerpts. So like you like you should definitely do it. Which is you know like when you're playing Petrushka and there's a little fanfare at the beginning, the GCC, um, like playing those notes in tune and then playing you know the triplet rhythm. Uh, going, you know, leading into the half note, and then the, the half note is four eighth notes long, and then you dictate the release, and then when you play the fanfare figure, the da 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 da, that it's an F major arpeggio that is in tune, you know, and that right. because that's gonna be ringing in the hall, and then when you play the the smooth part, that it's a different, you know, color, and that when you are playing like. When you get up to the E, that the E isn't sort of like a logy, like uh, under-supported sound, but that it's nice and bright sounding. Uh, and then, you know, like all of those little details, the articulations and all that stuff. I think that I think that the people who spend the time really focusing in, on all of that stuff, um, it comes across in their playing as sounding really refined and polished and right, confident. Right. Whereas, like, there are plenty of people who can just play it through Petrushka and have it sound pretty good. So it's about, you know, finding all the little details to set yourself apart from everyone else. Um, Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, for sure. Well, I appreciate you talking to me, man, Um, giving of your time. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Bye. I find it really interesting that although Jeff has won a bunch of big jobs... He didn't just say to himself, well, I've won big jobs, so I'll just keep doing the same thing and hope that it works out. He's continually looking for 
more and more and more things that are going to help him sound even more refined, even more confident, and in this case, getting his head in a better place. Uh, Barbara would talk about this often, where if you want a better job, you got to kind of look at yourself and say, how am I going to play better? Not necessarily, I'll just play the same and hope it works out, but taking the responsibility and continually pushing yourself into new um, abilities, I guess, or at least a new mindset and things like that. So, It's really inspiring that Jeff is, at this stage, being at the top of what we do in the orchestral world is still looking for ways to improve and make himself better. Next up, we have Tyler Lindsay. Tyler recently won a position with the president's own Marine Band, one of two people selected at his audition. He won the job while still in his master's degree at Temple University, studying with Tony Prisk. I didn't know Tyler at all, so it was really awesome to talk with him and hear how methodical he was about his audition preparation. Let's hear what he has to say. Brian, for the audition, I, part of it wasn't ideal. I had gotten into a very kind of late sleep schedule, and for the audition itself, I needed to be up at I'm by 7 on the first day and 6 the following day for the second and the third and fourth round day. Um, which I knew for, for some people is, is easy. And for me, it is if I'm in that kind of schedule, but I, I, for some, I'm for a bunch of reasons just wasn't able to, uh, best thing you can do if you know, you have an early audition is make sure you're getting up early regularly before right, I, right, yeah, worse than being tired. Yeah. It's, I mean, Cause otherwise you're not fully alert and regardless of, I mean, it makes it more difficult to get into the spot, um, what I call you know, focusing 100% on, on whatever you're doing. It's more difficult to be where you need to be with that. Right. right. But, um, but I was able to do that for the audition, and that, that definitely played a, um, a big part of it. Uh, actually, I mean, I, I guess I can talk about some of the things for the audition. What I noticed um, a lot is everybody's playing so much um, just in our in our group warm up room, you know, shedding their uh, their material over and over again. Um, you know, I, and a few of them sounded really good on it, but you know, a lot a lot of them were um weren't at the point to uh, you know to really advance yet. Um, but I mean, regardless of the point, I, regardless of that, the main point is to not. Not burn all your burn all your chops early. I mean, one of the things that I yeah. did um, did in some auditions, um, it's intimidating. It's so intimidating, and you hear everybody else playing all all their uh, all the excerpts, and you kind of want to get into your sound in your head, and so you you play it, um, and, <laughs> and you go through your face really quickly. Um, I specifically avoided doing that, and even for the uh, for the fourth round. Um, which was I mean, we had um, the preliminaries on day one and then two, three, and four on the final day. When I walked in for the fourth round, I was completely shot. Just from yeah, the did start. you know there was going to be four rounds? Did they was it that from the outset? Did you know that or? Well, um, I think it was what um, somewhere. I, I think eighty-two people showed up for the audition. Um, they moved. They advanced ten, which was I'm relatively surprising, and then um, brought it to uh, to five. For the um for the I guess finals and at the end there were two of us um and so 
we had we had one more, I guess, we'll dub it the super final. And they actually wound up um, wound up getting both of us the job. Right, right. Um, but they delivered it for almost an hour um, for it as well. So I mean, I, I'm yeah, I'm sure that I'm, I'm for, for those who don't know, I mean, I'm if um if they don't have what, what is it? You know, I you see it all the time. Some um some auditions they won't accept anybody. You see that frequently. Yeah, yeah. I've been so, at a couple auditions or one in particular. The I was in a audition in San Francisco and. Mm-hmm. They delivered same thing. They deliberated for an hour. I think there were five of us in the finals, and they ended up picking nobody. So, um, right, which could be a frustrating thing, right? But it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, I think one of the things that I did that was odd in comparison to a lot of other people. Um, I mean, um, not not me not playing um in in the warm up room or whatever. I mean, th- that's not particularly odd. Um, but what I really did is. I, well, we had they, they gave us our own separate warm up room for like forty five minutes before before um, we were supposed to go up, mm-hmm. and so for me it's difficult to um, I, I have a hard time making sure I phrase really convincingly because there's that part of us when we play that's the critic and then also the uh, the part that's preparing for whatever difficult thing is coming next in that excerpt. Yeah, yeah. It's right. focusing on the past and, and um, in the future. And what's really difficult for me is I find I don't phrase convincingly unless I'm focused on the present and I'm hearing everything else that goes on around me. Interesting. Um, and I, you know, imagining who else is playing what. I mean, um, it, I don't know if um, I've heard this said to me before. Is that your goal in an audition is to get the panel to hear their parts? When oh, I playing. totally agree with that. Yeah. And so, and for, for me, what was what was important for me to be able to phrase convincingly was doing that myself. Um, and so, I actually sang through my audition rep, I had excerpts before every single round, the entire list. Um, and if I caught myself thinking about anything else, whether, whether it was I'm something unrelated or even just, oh, this part's going to be, be really difficult or, oh, I screwed that up. I mean, I guess it's odd to think about when you're singing, but, um, (laughs) but I would stop and go right back to the beginning of that particular excerpt and really focus on getting myself in that mindset because that's hard to do. Yeah. of course. I I mean, talking to other people, um, it seems like this, this can be a, a major component of doing well in an audition is getting your mind right, you know, getting it in the space to, to make mm-hmm. the most amount of music. And um, so it's interesting you um, right in the warm up room where like I have myself have done this where you end up playing a whole bunch and like you mm-hmm. were saying, maybe kind of shoot, you know, your face gets shot right before you do the round. You're getting your mind right more than you're so worried about your playing, which is pretty interesting. Right. I mean, I mean, cause I, when you think about it, realistically in that, however long before you play, maybe, you know, 30 minutes, 20, or it, when God forbid you're in there for, for five hours, you're not really going to get much better in, in that not. time span. And so playing, the, what you should be doing is in audition preparation, you need to find out exactly how long it takes you. Um, this is something you can do in, in the preparation process. How long it takes you to warm up and feel really good. And for me, that was sure. somewhere in, in, in between five to 10 minutes. And so actually for the first round, um, I wound up, I, I was told that I'd be coming out at a particular time and that wound up being 15 minutes later. And that actually kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, right. And that's pretty common actually. Uh, mm-hmm. 
because I, I played earlier and then I, and uh, then I, you know, he was coming. So, you know, cue 10 minutes and I'm, I'm still kind of in that really warmed up state. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but that's okay. Um, but I think that the first time was one of my weaker rounds. Um, so in comparison, but I was able to get into my sound for the entirety. It was just, I, I just didn't feel amazing about it. <laughs> sure. So like, you know, talking about, um, warming up and using the warm up room, uh, mm-hmm. space to potentially practice the excerpts almost, uh, I would imagine, and it sounds like you would agree that people who are doing that generally probably don't feel like they're as prepared as they might need to be in that moment. And if you feel totally prepared, you might not feel like you have to make up lost time right before the audition. Right. Right. So what kind yeah. of things were you doing? Um, I mean, you don't have to break the entire process down because it's <laughs> a relatively long process. But, you know, if there's mm-hmm. things that you were, you know, throughout the process that were very important to you, like maybe how you practice some of the technical things or um, mm-hmm. what things you did to help yourself get into the music, I, I'm kind of curious what uh, what things you chose to do to help yourself prepare to the point where you could just sing in the the room and feel confident in your abilities. Right. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean... Uh, to, to set up, what is it? Um, I'll segment this um, just a little bit in that. Sure. Yeah, if we can agree that that playing music is is the duality of the mind and the body. The mind um, is you know you need to have your concept and know exactly how you want it to sound. And the body part is you need to be able to execute that. Sure. Yeah. Um, or at least that's how I view it. Anyway, yeah. so a lot of and so a lot of what I talked about was the mind. And so what I want to further go on just you know finish that is in early on the audition preparation process, I mean, you should be listening to your excerpts a lot. I mean, not the excerpt itself, but the recording. Um, I mean, sorry, the entire um, recording, um, and preferably of the uh, the group that you'll be auditioning with. I, um, I, I was going through um, through the President's Own um, playlist. Um, part of, I, they actually put out a playlist for us, but not all the rep was on it, and they had um, some extras. Um, which, which were cool. And so I added those, I added the ones that weren't on it and just kind of listened to that throughout the day. Um, but, and additionally recording myself made a huge difference. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, um here, if you're sounding like the recording you just listened to. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, cause the value of recording is, isn't to pick out, I am to, and generally, you know, if you screw something up, the, the value of recording is to know if, if what you want to hear is coming across. And so for me, actually, a lot of my phrasing wasn't as strong as it needed to be. So, you know, if you ever think you, you, you really did a crescendo and, and you, you kind of didn't, um, or whatever, you're making sure that, that everything's really evident that you're doing. Um, so, so how yeah. often do you think you, if, I mean, it may be hard to do this, but if you were to put a percentage on the amount of time you recorded yourself versus just playing, would it be over 50%, under 50%? Hmm. When I was ironing out technical spots, I didn't record that. Um, what I did is I recorded mock rounds. So I would do... Um, oh, okay. So, I mean, the first round was, was set in order, um, uh, but um, but otherwise um, I picked out a random number generator and picked anywhere from four to seven um, uh of those random numbers and play them in that order. Getting comfortable moving between C and B flat is, is important and doing the random number generator kind of kind of helps with that. I mean, it's the same thing as drawing hat names, I, numbers out of a hat, but I didn't feel like, I'm not a, you know, I was a crafts guy. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Um, 
but sorry. So when I was doing those mock rounds, I would record. Um, sure. And then I'd listen to that and I'd write down on everything that I didn't like and what I did like. I had on a sheet of paper and I'd keep that with me and, and make sure. Um, and sometimes it wasn't on a sheet of paper, um, but I'd, al- I'd always write down my comments in the music. Um, my, my personal copy of the music is very marked up um, now. But uh, the recording process was more important um, for me um, rather than working on individual stuff. And I, there aren't really going to be that many technically tricky spots in the audition that are specific to the music. Most of it's going to be how strong your fundamentals are. Um, so, so fine. Actually, this is um, relevant. Is that I didn't definitely for the last week of preparation, um, I was only practicing the audition rep aside from. Um, from my fundamentals routine, but also I wasn't practicing that much because I had been overplaying earlier and I wanted to make sure that yeah. I'm, it's more about just being very comfortable with it. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, this is one of my podcast episodes um, mm-hmm. about powerlifting. And one of the things powerlifters right. uh, do when they're getting ready for an, uh, a meet, which would be our audition, right? Is mm-hmm. like the very end of the thing, um, the very end of their, their programming and their preparation, um, the specificity goes up, right? They're not doing as many, the specificity. So they're not doing as many different kinds of exercises. They're doing okay. like the, exor- the exercises they need to do. Oh, right, right. The you know, it's right. similar to what you're talking about, right? So as they get mm-hmm. closer to the audition, you may start practicing less etude, less fundamentals, and start focusing more on doing the repertoire that you need to do, but also I'm sure there was a phase, you know, two months before that where you were probably mm-hmm. doing things like fundamentals and choosing uh, stuff more. Often. Right. No, I I actually had written down kind of everything that I was planning on practicing um, to set up kind of my routine, and and I, I stuck to that more or less. But yeah, you like wrote yourself a program, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's um, so cool. That's so but, cool. But and particularly why I did that was because. So about two and a half months ago, or maybe three, um, wait, no, let me, let me think the timeline. <laughs> uh, I was doing my, uh, my recital because I'm, um, I'm in my master's. And so I, I ideally wanted to get my recital out of the way last semester that I could focus on job auditions this semester. So now I'm kind of lucky and I kind of get to just enjoy um, having a little bit more time to relax this semester without you know, any kind of impending deadlines. But um, yeah. anyway, so I had my recital in was it early November, about like three or three weeks or so before that, um, I made massive headway on my fundamentals. Because um, I mean, I, how, how we get better on trumpet is in a series of plateaus, I, I would say, and it's, I think is relevant for all music. Is that yeah. I mean, in, a, in a step of three? Uh, step one, you need to be aware of what you're doing wrong. This is where a teacher helps most. Because it's really difficult to, uh, to self-critique, especially when, um, at, when you're um, not as advanced. I mean, right. But, um, so you have to know what you're doing wrong. Step two, you need to be able to do it correctly at least once in, like, let, let's say you're working on articulation and you want to get more ping on it. Get, the first step will be doing it on one note, presumably your best note, and just getting that note perfect. 
And so then you, then so step three is what you do in the practice room and, and you kind of bring, you, you bring that to every a- other aspect of the horn and you're, you've officially finished that plateau um, of when it's, when you no longer have to think about it to do it consistently. Yeah, so you're quite thoughtful, it sounds like, about the way that you, what you, the, the kind of time you're spending in the practice room. Right, it, right. And so, yeah, because for, um, for when you're, when you're ironing out fundamental issues, it, you need to think of it, I mean, at least for me, is that imagine you're solving a, a complex problem, you know, a puzzle, except you have to solve that problem every single time you, you're working right, on that right. fundamental. And I, but the importance is, is that you're absolutely focused whenever you're working on that. And every exercise has a purpose. You pick what exercise, or sorry, you pick what fundamental you're working on um, throughout that exercise. And that's the only real thing you're thinking about. And I mean, if that's only for 10 minutes or even five minutes at a time, then you need a break. That's completely fine. As long as while you're in there, you're um, you're hyper focused, and that that's really difficult to do. I mean, I struggle with that a lot. Yeah, I talk about um, focus a lot with my students and and just other professionals. You know, it's one of the hardest parts of the job, really. Yeah, it's it's really easy for your mind to wander. Right. Yeah. So, but the more but, you practice it, the better you get at it. I say. Right. No, certainly. But um, but anyway, so what I was going with is um, is I had such a specific kind of practice regimen because I had just. I got really lucky. I made, I got past step two on five-ish fundamental issues all at once. Um, I, I was trying to um, get a little bit more clarity on my attack. Um, I was, I was trying to uh, to have a more what is it focused sound and low register. I was getting a little bit airy. Sure. Um, I was having air leak. Um, and let me see what else. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, some, some, some of it was phrasing. A little bit. Well, it was, so basically my, my practice regimen was tailored to getting, to doing as much of that, what I call step three progress as possible. Sure. Um, rather than working on the excerpts. Um, I mean, for I mean, for for at least a month of it, I, I didn't spend more than thirty minutes practicing the excerpts um, right. a day. Sometimes I didn't even get to them that day. Um, oh yeah, sorry. Um, starting notes um, properly. You know, you know when you have false starts. Yeah. Um, I really like doing Schubert for that. Um, the third portion of the book. That uh, that that book has become my nemesis, but it, it worked <laughs> out. <laughs> worked yeah. out. And anyway, so I, I put two fundamental routines for myself together. One was my you know, basic one that I'm going to do when I audition. It's a combination of you know, my warm-up. Um, and then I put up a second one of advanced fundamentals, and that covered a lot of um, triple-tonguing, single-tonguing, um, working on my false starts, um, as well as I was doing this weird thing in, um, in, in the solo, which was fancy brilliant, is that I was... Um, I'd have a slurred phrase and I and I cut off the note after each one. You know, like if you're doing da 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 I was it wasn't that dramatic, but so I was doing on some clerks, um slurred and I was varying where I'd tongue and do doing multiple tonguing. Um what's ironic is I spent so much time practicing multiple tonguing um for the uh the solo and we didn't actually play it on the audition. That's awesome. 
Um, that's just a really, that's just really great stuff, man. Um, I really appreciate you taking your time to talk to me and congratulations again. I'm winning the job, dude. Thanks so much. I greatly appreciate it. And thanks for having me. One thing that Tyler said at the end of our conversation that I left out was that he felt that he was ready to win this audition. He had worked through his fundamental issues and those breakthroughs allowed him to be playing at the level he needed to, to win that job. He kind of felt like basically the week of the audition is when all of his skills came together and he was actually ready a couple of days early. And so he felt kind of weird about having to maintain uh, instead of just like being ready for the job right when he was there. So it was really, really interesting and fascinating to talk to him. And I uh, enjoyed it a lot. I find it interesting that there were some similarities between them. Both of them recorded themselves throughout the process Both of them had attention to incredibly small details, with Jeff talking about refinement and Tyler talking about the way he thought about his fundamental preparation. And both of them did a lot of mental preparation for this audition, even saying that they kind of imagined themselves making mistakes and how they would handle that. I think it's really, really cool and something for all of us to consider, um, considering how successful both of these guys were in their respective auditions. I think that's it for this episode. Um, if you'd like to find me, you can do so at That's Not Spit on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'd like to thank Jeff Strong and Tyler Lindsay for being so willing to talk about their audition process and being so open about how they did it. I'd also like to thank Brandon Yoakum for his work on mastering this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.